Let's prepare to hear God's word. Let's pray together. God of light and life, open our eyes as well as our ears, so that we may not only hear your word preached today, but then see your word lived out in our lives and in your world. Through Christ our Lord, the light of the world. Amen. Scripture this morning is from uh, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Verses 15 to 17 and 21 to 22. The the lectionary skips um, 19 through 20 because it really wants to focus on the baptism of Jesus. But I'll read 19 and 20 because uh, I think it's part of the context uh, that we need to hear. So Luke chapter 3. The people were waiting expectantly, were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The saying is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Words are powerful. Criticism can cut deep, and praise can lift our spirits for days. Words can bruise, or words can bless. Words spoken to us, spoken about us, wield a power over our lives like almost nothing else. Luke 3 tells of Jesus at his baptism. He's ready to embark on his ministry. And in this moment, God the Father speaks a powerful word to his Son. Jesus was marked as God's own, baptized for God's mission. He's been on the earth around 30 years. We know very little about his life to this point. Earlier in Luke, we heard about a visit to the temple when he was only a few days old. And then another visit when he was 12. And other than this, the only thing that we know is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. There's a lot of Jesus' early life we don't know. We don't hear about him pitching a perfect game for his little league team. There's nothing about his parents having a bumper sticker, our son is on the honor roll at St. Nazareth High School. As far as we know, he didn't graduate magna cum laude from Jerusalem University. Nobody tells us that Jesus landed a job with a great firm with a great future. He likely wore sandals and took public transportation. Most people in the neighborhood thought of him only as the carpenter's son. Then he comes on the scene while John the Baptist is down by the Jordan baptizing. All the Gospels tell us the same story. Now, we don't know exactly what happened, but we do know this. Every story tells us that when Jesus was baptized, three things happened. 
Luke writes, Jesus was baptized, and heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am pleased. First, heaven was opened. Now, don't take this as some kind of a meteorological report. At 9.37 this morning, the clouds parted and the heavens opened to glorious sunshine. There's more going on here than just a ray of sunshine glistening on the Jordan River. Long before this moment, during a time of crisis in the story of Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out to God, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He wanted heaven torn open for God to come near. The people of Israel were feeling cut off from God. They experienced the dark clouds of despair as they languished in exile. Where was God? They wanted God to come down and do something about the mess of life. Luke seems to be telling us that God is tearing open heaven to do something. In this man, Jesus, God has come down into the muddy waters of the Jordan River. Heaven opens with a statement of hope for God's people. Jesus is baptized for God's mission to save the world. Second, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Notice, not with tongues of fire, but in the form of a dove. Maybe Luke wanted to point us back to the creation story. Remember? We're told in Genesis that at that time the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos of the deep. Or maybe Luke had in mind the dove that fluttered into Noah's hand after the ark came to rest. The dove carried an olive branch, a signal that the dark storm of judgment had ended. A new world was beginning. Jesus rises from the water. A dove gently swoops down to shelter him under its wings. Like the heroes of the God in the Old Testament, Jesus is now Holy Spirit-powered. He would bring God's people everything God promised. It was a new day. We could say a new creation day. As the prophet Isaiah said, Here is my servant, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will pour out my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Angels announced Jesus' arrival at his birth. Shepherd adored him. His parents totally committed to raising him as God's son. And now Jesus received the Holy Spirit's strength and authority to act for God. The Holy Spirit activated Jesus for ministry. The Spirit sustained Jesus in the wilderness when he faced Satan's temptations. Under the influence of the Spirit, Jesus taught God's truth. With the Spirit's power, Jesus healed the sick, the blind, the paralyzed. All through his life, and even in death, Jesus committed his life into the hands of his Father's Spirit. Finally, the third event, God spoke. God spoke love into Jesus' life. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus came out of the water assured of his status before God. As Eugene Peterson puts this verse, You are my son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. God's words pour out blessing. God blesses Jesus, not because of the great things that he had done. No, God anoints him with love because of the great things that he will do. 
Jesus is baptized for God's mission. Three things. Heaven opened. The Spirit descended. The Father spoke. All in the way so that Jesus was marked as God's own. God's blessing empowered Jesus. God's blessing equipped Him to teach, to heal, to confront. Even to die on a cross. God's blessing baptized Jesus into mission. But there's more to Luke's story. He's not only of God. Jesus is one of us. I mean, Luke makes it clear that Jesus was one of the people. That he's one of us. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Jesus identified with the people. Luke draws our attention to the fact that Jesus' baptism was like everyone else's. Now, I suppose we wouldn't be surprised if Jesus had walked up to John in the River Jordan and said, well, I guess it's time for me to relieve you. You've taken it pretty good so far, um, but I think I'll just close it out here. I suppose that if Jesus had started doing baptisms, no one would have been shocked, being cleansing putting things right. They were all up his alley. But Luke doesn't give us that picture. Luke doesn't give us the picture that Jesus is some kind of one-man show. He points us to the crowd. All the people were being baptized. And then he inserts Jesus into that crowd. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. There's a story told by a Christian doctor when he was a medical student. He missed the class on sexually transmitted diseases. So he had to make it up at the clinic. When he arrived, he ended up in a line with a bunch of patients who actually had STDs. He barged up to the front of the line. He told the head nurse, I need to see the doctor. That's what everybody says, snorted the nurse, now get in line. But I'm a medical student, he tried to explain. Big deal, said the nurse. You got it the same way as everybody else, now just go stand in line and wait your turn. Later, after he made clear why he was there, the student reflected on this incident. He realized the shame he felt in being grouped with all of those students with STDs. Jesus took on that shame, becoming one of us. He joined our ranks. He embraced us. He was baptized like us and yet remained without sin. He identified with those he came to save. You know, if you look at Luke 3, you'll notice that immediately after Jesus' baptism, Luke recites the genealogy of Jesus. He traces Jesus' ancestry right back to Adam. He places Jesus right in line with the sin of humanity. When Jesus submitted to John's baptism, very God of very God declared that he was just as human as Adam. His baptism identified him with our brokenness, with our fallen nature, with our sin. The Apostle Paul later says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
And further, Jesus shows his complete dependence on God. When he was baptized and before God's blessing descends, notice Jesus' posture. As he was praying. Not only did Jesus identify with the people in baptism, he identified in his need to communicate with God. Jesus lived a life of prayer. Jesus showed his direct relationship with God the Father. He submitted his life to God in prayer. And when he submitted himself, the light of God shone down on Jesus. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. As Jesus humbled himself in complete dependence on the Father, the windows of heaven opened in blessing. The kingdom of God became alive in Jesus as he depended on God in prayer. Jesus received God's blessing through prayer. Without prayer, it didn't seem likely the Spirit would have been poured out on him No spirit, no light to the world, only darkness. Gandhi, the wise teacher of India, once said, Prayer is the sacred alliance between God and humans in order to be delivered from the clutches of the prince of darkness. Jesus was one of us, baptized like us, praying to God the Father like us, Humbly submitting to the Father as God's light shone upon him. In the same way, God anoints us in love. The voice that said, you're my son whom I love, also speaks love to us. God's love marks us. We are special to God. Not because of all the things that we've done. We're special to God because of all the things Jesus did. We're special to God, loved by God, because of Jesus. Honestly, apart from Jesus, we don't have much going for us. Do you realize then the claim that God has on us? That Jesus shows up in the middle of our real world? Notice how Luke makes this clear by this story. At first, you know, it seems rather odd. People are flocking to hear John. John the Baptist is bringing some heavy heat, talks smack about the people who thought they had an in with God, calls them a brood of vipers. He's lighting a fire, pictures the Messiah coming to shake things up, figures the Messiah would make it abundantly clear who was in, who was out, that he'd gather the wheat, burn up the chaff. In fact, John is so confident of the Messiah's coming judgment, he takes a swipe at King Herod. Now, Herod was no choir boy, married his brother's wife amid a bunch of other nasty things. And for his condemnation of Herod, John the Baptist ends up in jail. Now, where's the good news in that? Well, it's here. See, Luke is telling us that in the midst of the real world, Jesus comes. Yeah, it's true, the angels dancing in the sky singing a song of hallelujah to the shepherds seems like a distant memory. Seems like the chaos is in charge. Despite all of the grand events we read earlier in Luke revealed in the early chapters about Jesus' birth and all of that. Now we can see that this is the way God's love works. God's love sweeps over our lives right when we're stuck in the middle of the world where all the wrong people seem to be in charge. God's love overwhelms us right where we need it most. 
Now, we do have a problem. In the church, we often talk about God's love for sinners. Except also in the church, we go to a lot of effort not to be mistaken for one of them. We don't want to let on to anyone that we're part of this guilty bunch of sinners. We don't want anyone to know that we're one of them. Now, notice, Jesus doesn't seem too concerned about it. Baptized like all of the guilty sinners, even though he had no sin. And when we talk about God, about the sins of humanity, we realize it's all the things we have done. What we have failed to do. We're laying claim on the truth that we have fled from the love of God. We have tried not to be seen or to be known or to be changed. When Jesus entered the river to be baptized, he entered communion with all of humanity. And when we're baptized, we join Jesus in that river. We recognize with all of humanity that we're desperately in need of God's love whether carried in our parents' arms to the baptismal font or walking up under our own power, we join Jesus in the river with all his flawed people. As someone once noted, we will never be mistaken for one of them because we are one of them. We are desperately in need of God's love. And Lamont was an alcoholic, eating disordered, drug-addicted mess. And she came to the realization that she had nothing going for her. So she came to Jesus Christ and found unconditional love. She knew that despite her failure, she was loved by God. She says this, I never said I'm a good Christian. I just know that Jesus adores me and is only as far away as his name. I say, hi, Lord, and he says, hello, darling. He loves me so much, he keeps a photo of me in his wallet. If I were the only person on earth, he still would have died for me. God loves you. That's God's truth. The voice from heaven said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. The words we love to hear, words of love for us from our spouse or from our children, are the words God speaks to us. God says to each one of us, you are special to me. I love you. I'm so pleased with you. Would you take a moment and just turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. You're special to him. Whenever we baptize a person into Christ, then God, God the Father, looks at us and he sees us and he offers us the same love he spoke to his son, Jesus Christ. 
That's how God marks us, how he identifies us as his own, crowns us with his blessing, washes us clean, adopts us in his love, assigns us a place of grace. In baptism, God anoints us in love. And God pours on us the same spirit that descended on Jesus. We are anointed for God's service. Believers receive the Holy Spirit just like Jesus. Heaven has been opened. And today is God's day of grace and spirit anointing. John the Baptist announced Jesus with these words. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Later, when Luke tells the story of how the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' followers, there's two important ways we should note how the Spirit came. First, Luke says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The wind needed to winnow was provided by the Spirit. And then, Luke writes, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Fire fell on each follower to anoint them with the Spirit. They were being refined by God. As Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers, we are anointed. To all who believe, God passes on the same Spirit of Jesus. And as Jesus was anointed to do His work, we are anointed for God's mission. Anyone who believes in Jesus is anointed by the Spirit to do the work of Jesus in our lives. Like one of our church teachings says, the Spirit renews our hearts and moves us to faith, leads us into truth and helps us to pray, stands by us in our need and makes our obedience fresh and vibrant. Anointed and sent by the Spirit, the church is thrust into the world, ambassadors of God's peace, announcing forgiveness and reconciliation, proclaiming the good news of grace. If you are a Christian, believing in and acting for Jesus, then God's Spirit is moving in you. God's Spirit is marking you. You are identified as part of Christ's cause, spreading His light. I suspect that many of you have heard of Corey Ten Boom, the woman who wrote the book, The Hiding Place. It's clear that her family had a heart for the Jews in Holland. Corey Ten Boom and her family were sent to a concentration camp because they helped Jews to escape. In fact, when the Jews were forced to wear gold stars of David, her father joined the line to get a star for himself. He wore the star of David to identify himself with the people whom his family had been helping and praying for. So too, God's Spirit anoints us so that we can shine the light of God's kingdom wherever we go with whomever we meet. Like everyone else, we're sinners in need of grace, and yet God anoints us with His Spirit to be engaged in His mission. The Spirit of Jesus fills us and guides us. See, being a Christian is a calling. In a poem on the baptism of Christ, Malcolm Guide says, He calls us to, to step into that river, to die and rise and live and love forever. We're baptized in the Spirit of Christ, called to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release for captives, to seek the freedom of those who are oppressed. We're anointed by God's Spirit to be His people, 
his people in this world, baptized by the Holy Spirit for God's mission. You don't have to prove that you're worthy of God's love. Just like Jesus, you are loved. You're special to God. So when you fail to be true, when you fall down on the job of being Jesus' disciple, remember, God opened heaven and poured out His Spirit on us, poured His love into us. And the voice that spoke to Jesus speaks to you today, breaks through any darkness, eases all our fears, the fears that we don't quite measure up. God says, in Christ, you are my son. In Christ, you are my daughter. Marked by my love, you are the pride of my life. Now go in that spirit. Live and love forever the world that is around you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Grant that we, your people, illumined now by your word, that we would be able to shine with the radiance of Christ's glory so that he would be known, he would be worshipped, that he would be obeyed to the ends of the earth. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God now and forever. Amen.